Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday sermon was given by guest speaker, Reverend Mike Miller. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from the book of Genesis, chapter 30, verses 25 through 35. I see that it's printed in the bulletin also. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Prepare our heart, O God, to accept your word. Silence in us any voice but your own, that hearing we may also obey your will through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Genesis 30. When Rachel had borne Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I may go to my own home and country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you, and let me go, for you know very well the service I have given you. But Laban said to him, If you will allow me to say so, I have learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages, and you and I will give it. Jacob said to him, You yourself know how I have served you, and how your cattle have fared with me. For you had little before I came, and it has increased abundantly. And the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? He said, What shall I give you? Jacob said, You shall not give me anything. If you will do this for me, I will again feed your flock and keep it. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep, every black lamb, and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and such shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later when you come to look into my wages with you. Everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and black among the lambs if found with me, shall be counted stolen. Laban said, Good, let it be as you have said. But that day Laban removed the male goats that were striped and spotted, and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had white on it, and every lamb that was black, and put them in charge of his sons. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Now you guys sound like you're hot. <laughs> okay, so before I, before I begin, uh, we don't want anybody passing out or fainting. So if you want to move to one of the shaded areas, you can move to a shaded area right now, if you want to do that. <laughs> You're not offending anybody, because <laughs> you can hear me from all over. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> So today, we're going to be talking about thriving in new realities. And as we get into today's message, I prayed about this. I'm going to share um, the story of Next Ministries with you, the, the church that I pastor. Because it's been a journey to learn how to thrive in these new realities. 
So one of the things I want to start out talking about was that we are living in a new era. Now that's an old thing to say because there's change that is always taking place. Change is always happening around us. Change is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Unless you are just resistant to change, then it's a horrible thing. But life is constantly changing. And when I started on this journey, I had gone through a process. Now, I just want to take you guys kind of back in time. Let's go back to 2006. 2006, what emerges on the scene? Facebook opens up to the public, and Twitter, now is it X, marks the spot? <laughs> so they come out, and suddenly it seems like our world has changed. Because now we have a way to communicate in ways that we didn't have before. We had a way to connect with people in such a way that we created a new community using social media. But now, go ahead to 2007. 2007, something remarkable happens. Steve Jobs says, I'm putting the internet in the palm of your hand. The iPhone. Now, Here's what I'm going to say about this, and this is all I'm going to say about it. I'm not an, an iPhone user. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Samsung guy. <laughs> so if you want to throw something at me, go ahead and throw it now. <laughs> but it changed everything. And what happens for us is sometimes change happens around us, and we don't even notice it. We don't even pay attention. My daughter's favorite favorite bookstore was Borders. I used to take her to Borders all the time. And she used to love sitting in Borders. We'd get, we'd get a snack. She'd read some books. She'd pick out a book she wanted to buy. It was just a great experience for her growing up. Then one day, we're driving down 95th Street, and she said, why is Borders closed? Well, here's what happened. Believe it or not, we're all talking about AI now, right? Borders had created an AI. Did you know that? They had developed an AI, so they had become one of the largest bookstores around. Why? Because they used this technology to learn what people wanted, what people were looking for, and they were able to not only stock that in their, on their shelves, they were able to build a customer service base using that AI. And so people loved going there. But guess what? As Amazon starts to emerge, and and people start going online to get things. Borders was late to the game. Change had happened around them, and they had the technology to be at the head of the game, but they didn't use the technology that they had. And suddenly their doors were closed. When I started on this journey, I realized something back in 2006. I realized that the church was going to be forever changed by the technology that was out there. That suddenly we were able to communicate, instead of using a pen pal, we were able to directly communicate and, and message and talk to people from around the globe. We were able to impact people in such a, such a way that it was changing the fabric of what was happening and how we communicate. I remember... I remember in this, in this era as I was planting my first church, 
I remember something that was unique. People started texting me that they weren't going to show up to a pastoral care session. <laughs> right before that pastoral care session happened because someone had posted, hey, let's all go to the movies. And so next thing I know, they're going to do something else instead of showing up to this meeting that was supposed to help them. Before, you would have to make a phone call. Before, you would have to do all these other things, and now suddenly the world has changed. Well, typically, when we talk about the church, the church has typically been 10 years behind everything else going on. Well, guess what? As technology emerges and the technology starts to move forward, things change at light speed. So we're not just 10 years behind, we're 20 years behind. We're 30 years behind. I, I talked to a professor at Trinity Divinity School, and I was asking him about how can we study more about this? And he said, well, you can't study it here because we're still looking at the history of the church. We haven't even gotten to this yet. This change that has taken place and that has emerged caused me to think more and more about how do we connect with the world around us? And there was something that I thought about, and I shared, I shared this with some people early on. When you look at the Spanish-speaking countries, why are they Catholic, mostly? Because they were the mission field where the Catholic Church went. And so they, when they come to the United States, they look for a Catholic Church. Why? Because that's their experience that they've had because they went where they were. Here's the deal. Now we're in an era where we have to go where people are. It's no longer the field of dreams where we build it and they will come. We have to step outside of our comfort zone, outside of our doors. And as I started thinking about this more and more, I started thinking about how do we reach people? And I remember sharing when we did some things on Twitter, that suddenly we were reaching 2,000 people and someone said, those aren't real people. And then as we started reaching more people, oh, those aren't real people. And then one day something happened, COVID. <laughs> and suddenly those people who were not real people were you. <laughs> this change that takes place. If we are going to thrive in new realities, we have to understand a few things. We have to understand that if we're going to thrive, we have to learn. It starts with learning because you can't understand something that you don't know. You have to begin to learn it. You have to begin to engage with it. And so I looked at Jesus and I noticed something interesting about Jesus. Jesus didn't stay in one place and just wait for everybody to come to him. Jesus was on to the next person, the next healing. He was on to the next town. He was always moving to the next thing. And so out of that emerged next ministries. Why? Because we have to have a mindset to think ahead. We have to understand where we are and we have to think ahead. So let me jump into the scripture passage that we are looking at. Jacob. Jacob was a very interesting person. He was a scoundrel. <laughs> he was no good. He was just downright dirty. Let's just be honest. And what was, the what was his story? He and his brother Esau, 
His brother Esau, he decided, he decided that he wanted to steal Esau's blessings. He took everything that Esau had until Esau had nothing left. Finally, his brother wakes up one morning after he's lost everything and says, you know what? Lost everything to Jacob. I'm going to kill him. <laughs> and then he literally went after him to kill him. And as he pursues Jacob, Jacob had just gotten everything that he ever wanted, but there was something he wanted more than everything that he had just received. He wanted his life. <laughs> so he ran. He ran away from everything that he had gained, and he goes, he goes to Laban, his uncle. Now, when he gets there, what is, what is so unique about this story is he is not the brightest person not just on the block, but on the planet, <laughs> all right? He's slow. And so he gets there, and he meets Laban's daughter. He wants to marry her. And so when he talks to Laban about this, Laban says, sure, you can do this, but you have to work for me for a certain amount of time, and then you can have her hand in marriage. So he does this, and then he pulls a whammy on him. Laban pulls a whammy on Jacob. And Jacob goes to, to marry her, then after this, this is what happens. He wakes up in the bed after they have had their union, and the lights come on, and it's not her. <laughs> it's the other sister, the one he didn't want, the one he didn't like, the one he closed his eyes because he didn't want to see. So Laban says, well, she has to go first. She has to be married off first. So now you can get the other one that you want. So, but you got to work for me for a little bit longer. Now, all of this time he's working for a woman that he wants. You get to a point where you start to realize that he's not working for any money. He's not working for any land. He's not working for any gain other than to get her hand in marriage. Everything he has belongs to Laban, his uncle. So now he's in a situation where he realizes after about two decades, I've been working for two decades and I have absolutely nothing. Now, have you all felt like that when you put in some time and you say, wait a minute, I got absolutely nothing out of this deal. So here's what's unique. As he looks at the situation that he's in, he looks at his world that he's in, where he's existing right now, and he stops and he begins to learn what has happened to him. How did we get to this place? How did we get here? That's the process that I went through with Next Ministries. How did we get to this place where there's a major decline in the Christian church in North America? How do we get to this place where people aren't showing up to the doors of our churches? How is it that we've gotten to this place where it was once so thriving and people couldn't wait to get in? And I, I mean, I can recall the, the church that I was at when I was in college. If you got there late, you sat in the basement and listened on a speaker. How do we get to this place? So as I started looking at this and I started understanding that people had found other places of community. So for some of us who are, who are older, we, we remember how vibrant coffee hour was. That the church was not just a place to worship, but it was a meeting place. 
It was a place to gather together. It was a place to see your friends that you hadn't seen all week or maybe all month. It was a place of community that was there. And so we went building community. But as technology advanced, suddenly we saw that community break down. Suddenly we saw that there was a new generation that was coming up. And as this new generation comes up, they have a different set of values in terms of how they communicate with one another. I'll give you one good example. I had to pick up my daughter and her friend from a party last night. Don't ever promise your child that you're going to pick them up from a party and they call you late at night and say, I'm ready to go. It's one o'clock in the morning. What is wrong with you? (laughs) The entire ride home, I'm looking at them and they're just texting each other. They don't say a word to each other for 35 minutes, but they're laughing together. (laughs) That's the world that we live in. This is the change that we are experiencing. And so the first thing that I had to understand was I had to learn what was going on around us. And I had to learn why we weren't engaged in social media, why we weren't engaged in these things, that the place that people were, the new mission field. This this was our Catholic church moment. This was our moment to be there, and we were missing it. And so as I started processing this, and as I started to understand this more and more, this was like Laban's journey. I mean, Jacob's journey. Jacob not only realized that he got to a point where he had nothing, but he also realized that he could get something. There are skills, there are gifts, even though he was a low-down, dirty, whatever you want to call him, those skill sets that he had, he was able to appropriate them into a new reality. He realized that if I'm going to leave this household, I have to have some money, I have to have some wealth. I have, to ha- I have to have something to take my whole family because I can't even take care of my family. And so he makes a deal with his uncle. He says, you know what? I know you, don't, you can't use, do anything with these spotted animals. And so why don't you just let me have those? Now, I want to say this. Birds of a feather flock together. So what does his uncle do? He says, well, I got some spotted animals. He says, sons, I want you guys to take these away <laughs> so he can't find them. I don't want to lose this guy. I need him because <laughs> every bit of wealth that I have has come because of Jacob. And so he takes them all away. But Jacob, he's a, he's a little trick, tricky. So he's like, that's fine. And I know how to make spotted animals. <laughs> and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to make spotted animals And what's going to happen is they will belong to me. But these spotted animals were going to give birth to animals that were perfect, (laughs) without spot or blemish. And he was going to use that to grow his wealth. As a matter of fact, in his new reality, he learns not only how to use it, but he learns how to grow it. Did Did you catch that? He learns how to use what he had to grow something new. A lot of us are afraid of the new. And so as I began to share more and more about where the church was headed, 
I, I, I was, it was like starting a new business, bringing a new idea, a new concept, and watching people slam the door in your face over and over again. <laughs> it's a lot of fun, you know. But what happened in that was that I began to learn more and more that we were headed in this direction. And one of the things that I decided I had to do was I had to get people who knew more than I knew. A lot of us think we know it all. We come up with a plan, we know it all. And I remember sitting in a meeting with Dave Ferguson, one of the founders of Community Christian Church in Naperville. And what he told me was this. He said, you have to do new things to reach new people. I left out of that meeting, and that was the only thing I could remember that he said. Because I started looking at what we have done as a church, just in general. We've done the same old thing and expected the same responses that we got 15, 20, 30 years ago. Things had to change. And if things were going to change, it meant that you had to be an agent of change. And so I continued to press and continued to push. And I, I realized one big thing, one big learning, that the team that I had around me had to fully buy in to what was going on. My leadership had to buy into what was going on, what was happening. As they bought into it, and they began to understand it, they began to say, yes, this is it. Now, I'm going to share this with you, because this is important. Everybody that says yes doesn't mean yes. There are people that say yes to be on board. There are people who say yes to be a part of something, but they don't really embrace it and understand it. And so what we found was that there were people within our midst that really didn't believe what was happening. They didn't believe what we were doing. They didn't believe in this new style of communication. They still didn't believe these were real people. It takes time to nurture people along, but it doesn't take quite as long time as long of a time to identify who are your stakeholders. I was listening to a podcast about Nike. And it's so interesting. This podcast about Nike starts out talking about how Nike is the biggest shoemaker that doesn't make shoes. <laughs> they outsource everything. They come up with the design and they outsource everything. They started out, they, they, they started out could barely operate and function and now they are the biggest, the biggest in their field, in their arena, in the world. Why are they number one? They're number one because they began to embrace change. They began to embrace what was happening around them. Now, did they make mistakes along the way? Absolutely, they've made mistakes along the way. But the thing that we learned from them is that we have to begin to embrace the new. We have to look at new things. Now, what does that mean about the old? I remember when I was serving a church on the south side, they got really scared because in 18 months, we saw 300 new visitors come through the doors. And so it frightened them that this was happening because this meant a lot of new people coming in. Well, in that situation, what we actually faced was not the threat of new people. It was 
the threat of understanding that we need to build new relationships. You see, going out into the community is a part of the new church. It's no longer build it and they will come to us. It's how do we get to them? One of my board members, Elliot, he was a marketing VP. And when we talk about this, one of the things that Elliot says to me all the time is that, you know, it's, it's, it'd be nice to get everybody to come into your store and just buy what you have. But you have to get out and you have to market it. You have to get out and you have to show people it. People have to get to know what it is. What does social media do for us? It helps people get to know who we are. So when we look at Jacob's story, Jacob begins to not only understand this, but he does something that's very important. He puts together a plan and a strategy to get out from under Laban. The question is, what is your plan? What is your strategy? How do you build this new thing? How do you build this future? How do you build it so that you can thrive in the new reality that you are living in? Because most often what happens for us is that we don't realize that we're living in it until we're in it. And things have changed. So for, for us, one of the big things about this was when the pandemic hit, one of my board members who's a computer science professor from UIC, he said, everything you wanted to do, try it now. <laughs> he said, because what's going to happen is the churches are going to open up and the people that are online that have never been into the doors of the church, the people who have been hurt by the church, wounded by the church, that need to hear this message, they, they will still be there when the doors open up. And so when the doors opened up, everybody started complaining that, oh, people aren't, coming back. people aren't coming back. We saw our numbers go from 20,000 to 100,000 people a week. We started seeing how we could engage both the community and the online by bringing these things together. And one of the biggest things that we learned, and I'm going to jump into this, is that we learned that we could understand the data by who was watching, who was engaging with us. And they were exactly the same as the people that were in our community that we were serving. The change and transformation that took place in understanding this was something that you all participated in. Because during the pandemic, when the rioting and looting happened, all the stores on the east side of Chicago were closed. You couldn't get to a store. Now, let me, let me give you an image of this. You could not get off of Lakeshore Drive to go into Hyde Park because the police were making sure that you lived in these areas where you were getting off the expressway. So there was no food in the immediacy after the looting and rioting. So I started calling up some folks because I was grieved about this. And as I started calling up people, I said, we need some food. First Prayers Evanston was a part of that. You all collected food. We collected stuff from River Forest, from Palos. We had four truckloads of food come in. We were able to distribute over 2,000 bags of groceries and supply two food pantries with food within days. 
Now, here's, here's the tricky part about this. Where we were going to distribute this, we told we couldn't distribute it on the day that we had announced, that we had to distribute it a day earlier. So we had to get the word out. Social media not only helped us to get the word out, but this two-hour deal of just distributing food turned out to be an all-day event where people kept coming and kept coming. You were a part of that. You were a part of this new era of church, a part of this new technology. You were a part of reaching people. And here's what people ask. Why are you doing this? We're doing this because God cares about you, and God loves you, and we want you to know that we do too. This is why we do it. Understanding your strategy, understanding the people that you're reaching, understanding why you're moving into these new arenas. These new arenas have helped us in so many different ways, where we've even got an agreement with the Chicago Public Schools to bring a program to parents to help them, to help them improve their lives. What happens if parents improve their lives? It improves the lives of the students, it improves their focus in school, and it helps the teachers teach them better. But what does it also do? It's also the same as the mission field for the Catholics. When they went to these places, they not only opened up churches, they opened up hospitals, they opened up schools. They built community. So here's how you thrive in these, this new reality, and I'm going to wrap this up. In this new reality, you have to learn first. You have to learn where you are. You have to learn your community, both in person and online. You have to learn how their needs need to be met, both spiritually and physically. You have to remove the forest so that they can see the trees. The other thing you have to do is you have to strategize. You have to have a plan. Most of us don't have a plan. Do you know that 66% of us in the United States have set absolutely no goals for ourselves? We have no plans. You have to have a plan. Jacob had a plan. The other thing that you have to do, and this is the hardest part of it all, is you have to execute. See, Jacob didn't do this just because he, he was like, okay, well, once, we get, once I have all this wealth, I'm, I'm cool to stay here. He knew he had to move on to the next thing. He had to take his family to the next thing. And so what did he do? He executed that. There are many of us that have things that we want to do in life, things that we are expecting to do. We have goals, but if we don't execute them, they never become a reality. And if they don't become a reality, we can't thrive. We live in dreams that are deferred. So here's the challenge to all of us. We have to embrace the new. Like Dave Ferguson said, you have to do new things to reach new people. What are the new things that you need to do? You can't just sit in isolation and come up with them. You have to engage with the people that need the new. So many times we think about what brought us to a place, but we're living in a generation that is not like us. And so what reaches them? What connects with them? And how do we embrace them and love them and show them the love of Christ? It means that some things are not going to feel good. I remember saying this to the church that I did redevelopment with. I said, okay, I want you to think of 50%, think of all the things you like, and I want you to take 50% of these things and I want you to give them away because you have to make room for the new. 
That's a hard thing to do, right? How many of you are married or have been married? Raise your hand. You give up a lot. (laughs) So you take that experience and you transfer that into this new reality. You use what you have. There's a lot of smart people here. There's a lot of people here that, that know a lot, and I've learned so much from them. Take what you have. Use the smarts, the, the, the intellectual capital that you have, the spiritual capital that you have, and begin to take that and move into a thriving new reality. Embrace it. Love it. Nurture it. Care for it. Because if you do, you'll find yourself in Jacob's position. Jacob's story goes like this. He ends up with more wealth than his uncle had, and his uncle said, you know what, I got to chase this guy out of here. <laughs> and so he chases, so he runs from Esau first, then he runs from his uncle, then he goes to meet and make amends with his brother Esau, and his brother Esau is happy to see him, but he doesn't want all the things that he stole from his brother. Why? Because he has more than enough. He learned how to thrive in his new reality and not go back to his own. That's a challenge for us. But it's where we are headed. Technology is advancing. We have to pay attention to it. We have to get ready for what's to come. Because what's to come, guess what, is what's next. Amen?